0: Welcome to the Confident Money Podcast, where we talk money, finances, and accounting for real people without all the technical jargon, patronizing, and gatekeeping. I'm your host, Caitlin Magnuson, and I'm going to be your new finance bestie. Hey, welcome back. This is the final episode of season two of the podcast, covering all of the financial basics that you need to know to be able to make personal finances personal. So today we have a special guest. We have Emily here and emily is going to be helping me walk through a few different scenarios that we've had various listeners submit to us who are looking for some custom feedback for t- kind of culminating this whole thing together right we're going to be talking about what a personal financial blueprint can look like we've already covered you know what it is but we're going to take that and make it personal for several different people that have sent in all of their information and we are going to look at how Giving one size fits all information does not work because it's one size fits all. We are all unique individuals with unique financial situations, hopes, dreams, etc. And I think that this episode is really going to illustrate that. So, like I said, a little bit different format than normal. So, if you like this kind of format, please you know send us a DM on Instagram at Confident Money Podcast and let us know if you really liked it. And make sure, as always, to leave a five star review for a chance to win a call with me. So. Emily, we have three different scenarios yes. that people sent in. I would love for you to kick it off.
1: Okay, amazing. So we are going to start with Jason, Okay, who is married. He's 27 years old. Um, no kids, but currently trying. They live in Georgia in an apartment, um, which they put on events at in exchange for free rent. Um, it says, we want to get our annual take-home pay up to over 50K. Um, we want to buy a house in the next few years. We want to have investments and we need to buy two used cars. Uh, we roughly have 6k to put towards this. Um, it says my wife has investments in a bank overseas in the country she's from, but we only utilize that for her personal needs with her family. We live rent free, but would love to buy a house with land and rent it out while we have free rent at the apartment complex. Um, They are debt free. They're currently making 35 to 40 K and he's in the freelance audio space and his wife resells furniture and other pieces.
0: Okay. So they have a lot going on, I think kind of like any of us, but we're going to kind of simplify where they're at. So I will say I did go through these beforehand because I wanted a little bit of information to be able to give some accurate feedback. So we looked at where they're living currently in Georgia and we saw that buying a house with property may not be realistic right now. We were looking just so that you all know kind of what I look at for affordability. We're looking, you know, at about four times their annual income in total home sales price. So in this case, if they're looking to be making about $50,000 per year in take home income, then we're looking at about a $200,000 home purchase price. Now they have no other debt. Could that number change? Could it be higher? Could it be lower? Absolutely. But that's a really good starting point. And again, I, I don't have all of their financial information. We have exactly what we read to you. So with that being taken into consideration, I really don't recommend at this point necessarily buying a home with property. Um, I mean, we are living in, I'm going to say unprecedented times. You guys have, <laughs> yeah, <are> you? <laughs> I'm tired. I know I'm tired of living in unprecedented times, um, but we, we are home prices have not, you know, stabilized necessarily. They've not dropped. I'm not sure they're going to right this moment, but right now, uh, these two individuals have a really fantastic rent setup in that they have free rent. I mean, that is, it's amazing, uh, from a cost of living perspective. And so we're going to tackle this in a couple of different steps. So number one, we're going to look at their goals for a second. So their goals are that they want their annual take home pay to increase. They're looking to increase that by ten dollars to $15,000 per year. They had said they wanted to buy a house in the next few years. They want to have investments and they need to buy two used cars. So like we talked about in the earlier episode with the financial blueprint, we want to pick only two of these generally at a time because otherwise it can end up splitting your focus too much. And then you feel like you're not making any forward momentum. So with that, my suggestion would be, depending on their individual scenario, to potentially look at buying one used car, mm. but not right this moment. So I don't know if they have any vehicles currently, or if they're just in a really walkable area. If they're in a walkable area, that's great. But right. it's also really nice to have a vehicle that you can actually,
1: right? Especially use if you're to to do trying up kids it, yes, to kids. Do. Yes,
0: exactly. Doctor's appointments, everything else that goes on. I'm yeah. sure it would be convenient to have that. However, as we all know, used car prices are insane what isn't insane at this point in time (laughs) Um, from what I've heard and the reading that I've been doing it sounds like a lot of those prices should start to come down in 2023 due to the microchip shortage that was causing a lot of these issues and supply chain issues the majority of those are supposed to be rectified later in 2022 what that means is that we should be looking potentially at some more affordable used car options in 2023 and onward so in the hierarchy of prioritization for this, I would look at the car and then I would potentially look at investments. And then I would potentially assess if they need another car because especially depending on what they're doing for work. And if they, you know, do have a child um, having two vehicles may become a necessity at that point in time. I just wouldn't jump full into having two cars, investments, buying a house all at once. Mm -hmm. So to do that, they're going to need more than $6,000 which they're I believe aware of because they're wanting to increase their income. Now a 10 to $15,000 a year income is only about a thousand dollars more per month. So if you're listening to this right now, and if you're not, I'm sending you the episode. Um, what I would be looking at doing if you have not already is reviewing all of your current pricing structures in your freelance audio business. That is one of the easiest places for you to start And it may not be that you need to raise prices. It may be that your prices are great as is, but could you be packaging your services differently? Could you be offering fewer deliverables for the same price? Um, When was the last time you did increase prices? Because if you haven't increased them in the last year, you need to be increasing them, most likely at least 10%, if not more. Mm -hmm. And that will make a really big difference, especially being a self-employed or a freelance individual. You're paying a decent chunk in taxes every year. And so this $50,000 in take-home pay actually needs to look closer to about $75,000 in total earned income because after taxes and business expenses you're looking at closer to $50,000 at that point which is great. Um, the other thing that I would be looking at depending on what this person's wife has skill set wise would be, you know, where could they be bringing in another $500 to $1,000 every month. $1,000 when you're making about $3,000 a month can feel like a lot. But it's in the grand scheme of things, if they're a good writer, if they're able to do blogs, if they're able to do some virtual assistant work, um, I can't imagine that the position that they fill currently for free rent is full time for both of them. Um, So I would really like to see where another thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month could be found to start with, because that's going to solve a lot of the problems um, in simply being able to set money aside for savings, set money aside for their house, you know, set money aside to be able to have these investments to be able to build their retirement, to be able to plan. Here's the worst part, to be able to plan for expenses if they do become pregnant and if they do have a child, because you can have a perfectly healthy pregnancy. And I wish that for everyone, but you also may not. And unexpected medical bills in the U S are a huge potential problem and something that needs to be considered. So continuing to beef up their savings accounts would be really important. And then I want to encourage them to question their thoughts around buying a house right now or the type of house that they're looking to buy. So they're looking to buy a house with land. They said that they would like to build a rent out so long as they're living in a rent-free situation. So they can essentially be building equity and I assume be able to move into this house when they have a child or when they're no longer invested in their current employment Mm -hmm. with the apartment complex that they live at. However, in looking at the area that they live, we're looking at really not much under $200,000 and really nothing with property. However, if they're able, and when I looked at property, I looked at a half an acre or more. I know that everyone's definition of property varies. Um, I felt that that was a reasonable amount of you know land or property to be looking at. And so with that being taken in, into consideration in their area, if we drop the land requirement, there are quite a few homes in yeah. the mid to high hundred thousand range that they could be looking at. However, I can't see prioritizing that with everything else going on right now. I'd love to see their income stabilize at a higher amount through multiple factors, right? Additional gigs, reviewing your pricing, and then also reviewing your spending because that is a fair amount of income to be making and not having rental expenses mm-hmm. or, you know, housing expenses. So I'm going to assume because they have no other debt that they are no debt. I should say that they have been spending the last few years, probably paying that off right. because it's pretty rare at the age of 27, I would say to not have credit card debt, to not have student loans, to not have car loans. Absolutely. So I'm going to assume that that's where the extra money has been going. So my hope here would be, that they would be able to set aside $20,000 or more per year, especially if they're able to get their take home up to $50,000 because that leaves them 30,000 in expenses per year, which is $2,500 a month, not including their housing. That's, that's a fairly good, I mean, unless there's extenuating circumstances, but a pretty good amount to have and still be putting a lot away in savings. So that's how I would prioritize all of this. And then I really encourage you to just assess. So focus on the two things that are most important. If the house is the most important thing to you, then can you get by with just one car? Can you get by with getting your income up to $100,000 in take home per year? Anything that you can do here to either decrease expenses and significantly grow your income is going to make a really big difference in moving you forward towards your plans here. Yeah, I think that's really, I mean, Jason kudos. I would love to hear where you are in a year and encourage anyone that's listening to follow back up, um, with thoughts that they have on this. So let's, yeah, let's chat about our next person that we have here. All right. Sounds good. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe and join our community at confidentmoneypodcast.com where we share resources and all of the money happenings. Plus you can send feedback and suggestions for what you'd like to see covered in future episodes. That's confidentmoneypodcast.com. Okay. Back to the show.
1: Next up we have Heidi, um, married for eight years, no kids. Um, currently lives in Chicago suburbs, um, wants to live in Norfolk, Virginia, ideally near water with like a condo and boat, um, goals. Be semi-retired by 55, in parentheses, maybe make enough to cover annual living expenses, but not save for retirement, pay, pay off debt, et cetera. Um, pay off house by the age of 50, in parentheses, five years, not sure if we'll make it, but it seems like a good goal. Sell our home, buy a new place with cash, roughly trade what we have for condo and boat. Be ready to leave most of our stuff behind and get new stuff in our new place. Nice stuff, sleep number bed, leather couch, etc. Love that. Um, do some big dream travel, Italy, Germany, Australia, over the rest of our lives. Love that too. Be generous to the special people in our lives, surprise nieces and nephews with some money, maybe cover a big trip or part of college. Love that. Yes. Investments uh, 401k, 403b, Roth, HSA, emergency fund, um, home, payoff, current home, less than 100,000. Uh, buy a dream retirement home with equity. Maybe buy a second property for uh, Airbnb or similar or something similar. Don't really want to be a major landlord. Um, debt mortgage refinance to 2.5%. Income full-time job 175k ish as a couple plus 15,000 gross in business last year. Growing the business slowly as a side hustle to keep the full-time benefits for now. Perfect. Yep. Okay. No, that totally makes sense.
0: That is, I love the different scenarios that we're getting here. So. The number one thing that I did here, and again, we, we researched this before we started this episode recording, and depending on the suburbs of Chicago that they're in, um, I think that the plan to use the equity from their existing house to buy something in Norfolk with a boat, depending on the boat, obviously, because mm. those can be very fun, right. very expensive, um, is realistic. I, I don't have an issue with that here at all. Um, the biggest things that we're looking at here... So right now I'm assuming they're about 45 based on the math that we were doing and they want to be semi-retired in about 10 years. Uh, For those of you that are aware of what the FIRE movement is or financial independence retire early, this is what's referred to as coast fire, meaning that they have everything that they need saved for retirement and they are simply just working at this point in order to have enough money to pay for their everyday expenses, but it's normally a significantly decreased amount. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if a lot of us weren't saving for an emergency fund in retirement, we could have a lot lower monthly expenses, which would be lovely. Um, so with that, they want to sell their house to be able to trade in for this house in Norfolk when they look to retire. And a few things to consider. Um, they were saying that they were looking for a condo in Norfolk. And this is not strictly financially related, but this is just things to be considering. Um, it sounds like to me that this house is... It's going to be a little morbid for a minute, but most likely the house that they plan to die in, right? If they're looking to buy it in their mid to late fifties and make the move and it's going to be on the beach and it's going to be their forever home. I would encourage maybe looking at something that is single story or that has, you know, main floor master or main floor, you know, primary living areas, because as the now owner of a two story house. That was the most important thing, uh, even in my 20s, that I was looking for. I did not want to have to go upstairs, and especially considering, you know, watching my grandparents and my parents' age, the accessibility of your home, especially in retirement, I think is extra important, A, for – and it is financially related – Because the longer that your existing house is a place that you're able to live, the less that you're going to be spending potentially on, you know, care facilities, things of that nature, or having to buy and move into a single story house at that point or something more suitable. Um, That doesn't mean that it can't be a condo. I mean, it could still have a similar setup or, you know, main floor living, which would be great. Um, And then just... Taking into consideration, if you are not already boat people, to do some legwork around what the pricing looks like for that. What does average maintenance look like per year? Um, you know, how many times a year do you feel like you need to take it out? Is it something that you're going to be using enough to justify? Are you buying used? Are you buying new? Again, I know you're not looking to buy it right now, but just like everything else, boat <laughs> prices have not decreased like one would thought or one would think here. So. I want you to just be considering all of that. None of these are, are unrealistic, I think. Um, and some other things to, to note here, I would like to encourage you, and I don't know if they're traveling currently, um, you know, with what they're doing for work, but they, you know, have here that they want to do some big dream travel, right? Italy, Germany, Australia, and... Tomorrow's not promised. So yes, I want you to be saving. I want you to be planning for your future, but I would also encourage assuming that your current lives and lifestyles permit it to be taking a trip at least once a year, even if it's small. Um, I travel a little bit more cush, I would say nowadays, but for years and years, I mean, I, I use Scott's cheap flights. I talk about them not on the podcast a lot, but in real life, a lot. Um, two years ago, I flew to Spain from San Francisco for $300 round trip. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible airplane uh, with the worst padding in the seats. Um, but I was able to make something happen with my sister who was a student at the time. I had a really limited budget and we had a really wonderful time once we were there. So I encourage you to not put off big dream travel exclusively until you're retired. Maybe longer travel, slower travel. Yes, but do what you can now and work it into your plans because I would hate to see you not able to do some of these big dreams big trips when you are older. Um, With that, I want to encourage you to question whether or not it makes sense to pay your house off at this point in time. You have about 10 years, which is a really good amount to be able to put money in the market. So again, this is informational purposes. This is not financial advice, but what I would be looking at here with under a hundred thousand dollars left on this loan with the mortgage rate being 2.5%, which is phenomenal I'm assuming they refinanced in the last two years probably that does not behoove them necessarily to be paying that mortgage off to have the two and a half percent interest saved instead they could be investing whatever they'd be paying extra to the mortgage and over a 10-year time span they should I mean average earnings you'd see between like seven to eight percent and so you'd actually be beating your existing mortgage by six plus percent You could then, if they're not going exclusively into retirement accounts, these could be going into like taxable brokerage accounts, things of that nature. You could then use that money to go towards funding your house in Norfolk and paying off, you know, whatever is left on your house in Chicago or in the suburbs when you sell it. And you should come out financially ahead. If you were within the five-year window or a little bit less than that, um, I know you want to pay the house off by the age of 50, but I see all of this as being a little bit flexible in there. So I'd encourage you to consider not paying the house off and instead prioritizing investing in taxable brokerage accounts potentially, because I think it's going to benefit you the most financially in the long run. And it also gives you more flexibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you do need to stay where you are for a little bit, if you're not able to buy right away, that gives you a better financial cushion. And you say that you have an emergency fund, you have a 401k, you have a 403b, you have a Roth. I don't know. And I'm going to assume here that you have done the tracking that you need to, to ensure that you'll have enough for your retirement number. So assuming that these are funded to the capacity that they, that they need to be, I'm not prioritizing your retirement in this case, because it sounds like you have, I'm prioritizing your overall financial wellness. And that leads us to this last real note here Um, on the income for the two of you here. It's stated that there are full-time jobs or jobs. And the income is around 175000 per year as a couple, plus, you know, about $15,000 in sales. I think it's really smart that you're keeping your full-time job or that one of you is keeping a full-time job for health insurance. That is one of the most costly things to be able to pay out of pocket, especially as we get older. Um, so figuring out a solution for that, A, in retirement, especially if you're looking to retire early, you need something to bridge the gap between retirement and Medicare age so planning that into your figures if you have not. And then also, I would encourage you to assess your existing expenses. Because from what I looked at, and I'm not terribly familiar with the Chicago suburbs, neither is Emily, uh, but we looked at a lot of homes in the area and we're kind of surprised by the cost of living there from what we could see. And your case may be different, but $175,000 in annual income should be a pretty good living in that area, especially with no other debt than the mortgage. So I would encourage you and you may just be, you know, it could have been again that you've been working on fully funding an emergency fund that you may just now be caught up and looking forward. And if that's the case, number one, please take a second to go celebrate, do something that you really love because we support that. It's so easy to just roll into your goals and forget about it. But what I really want to see is I think you could be pulling more money for savings, for investments, for paying the mortgage off early. When you would said that you had one hundred thousand dollars or a little bit less left on the mortgage and that you make about 175,000 a year, there's, there's no reason that I can see that you couldn't pay off a hundred thousand dollars or invest conversely a hundred thousand dollars in that five year time span with the income that you're making. So maybe look at, you know, where your money is going every month to get a really good feel on, Understanding where you could be cutting things or where you could be more intentionally spending because I don't think your income needs to be increasing at this point based on everything else that's been provided.
1: Okay, all right, lucky number three. So next up we have Cassie. Um, Cassie is married. They're age 29 and 32, no kids, unsure if kids are in the picture, not a financial priority currently. Um, They're living here in Idaho, currently renting, um, unsure whether we are wanting to stay, but open to settling where we live now if we're able to afford to purchase a house, dash massively overpriced market currently. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. So for goals. Fully fund retirement for both of us. Husband is self-employed and continuing to build his business after moving across country. Um, Says, I am employed and eligible for company retirement plan this year. Long-term stretch goal to own a house in Idaho and a house on the East Coast. Potentially rent out either house as needed slash wanted to offset costs. Um, investments. Currently have some investments around the 25K mark. Neither of us have funds in retirement accounts yet. Debt, um, a truck and a small low interest loan um, for the business, 3%. Um, no other revolving debt. Income, total household income around 120K. Includes self-employment taxes in that amount.
0: Okay. Okay. So unfortunately, um, as you and I both know. Uh, yeah. Uh, the house prices in Boise are Boise and greater Idaho are insane. Um, I think I read a figure the other day that said something like food where I think the Boise home market was 30% overinflated yes. compared to the rest of the U S you sent me
1: that. It was really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which made me, you know,
0: feel for everyone around me mm-hmm. and really grateful that I bought when I bought, mm-hmm. um, the irony of not being able to, yeah, yeah, it's insane. Um, Okay, there's a lot going on there, but all some really good spots. So, they have both self employment and traditional employment income, and they're really a little bit behind on retirement, which happens to all of us. Um, that's probably the most common thing that I see with people, 20s to even early mm-hmm. 40s. I mean, we had life happen. I feel like retirement was not impressed upon us at an early no, age in the slightest. Yeah wasn't talked to I mean it's and it feels so far away right when you're mm-hmm. in your late teens you're mm-hmm. early your mid twenties and you're like oh shit I should be doing this and I haven't been and then life happens and you move and COVID happens and you're just trying to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. So number one, we're starting where we are. Um the fact that both of you you know in this are looking to have retirement this year is great. You've identified something that's important and something that you definitely have time to be contributing towards um I would encourage both of these individuals to start with baby steps, um, you know, maybe especially if they're making, you know, if if the business owner here is making a hundred thousand dollars per year or more, um, talking with their accountant about a SEP IRA, you can contribute up to twenty five percent of employment income when you are self employed to a SEP IRA. However, for a lot of us, and being a business owner myself, um, that was not a realistic number for sure. me. Like, cool, I would have loved to max that out but I need more than 75% of my income to live on. Right. Um, And of course, as that changes, love that, but start small. Can you open a step IRA? Can you be putting $200 a month in? Um, You know, what can you be doing and what feels comfortable, which we've talked about, where can you baby step this? And then every three months, can you assess has the business continued to grow? Are you feeling comfortable? Is this kind of just the right amount that like, you don't care. You don't miss it. Not that you don't care, but you don't miss it in Mm -hmm. your budget, so to speak. Um, so looking at that for the person that wrote in, um, definitely looking at what you can be doing is if you have a company match with the company that you're eligible for, you want to make sure that you're just hitting that, um, at a bare minimum, even if that's your baby step for this year, you know, if they're matching, a lot of employers match like three or five or 6%. So make sure that you understand that and that you're hitting that company match. And this was, in this case, they really don't have much debt, but I talked to a lot of individuals that do have debt and aren't contributing to the retirement and they're missing that employer match. That is the total, like, that's a part of your total compensation. So if you have to put in X, Y, Z to be able to make that happen, do everything you can because that's additional funds that you're getting from the company that you work for that you should be taking. Like you're going to say entitled to that money. Like that's part of you being there. It's like you're not using PTO time, which that's a rant for another day. Um, so in looking to buy houses, I mean, I would love, I would love to say that the market, okay, I don't love to say this. I would love to say that the market's going to crash in the next year. Um, I bought right after, I bought my first house um, after the 2008 collapse in 2010. Yeah. And there was a, the foreclosure crisis. My house was a foreclosure. It was the only way I could afford a house at that time. Yeah, That house was at the very, very top of my little tiny 20-year-old budget. And it was really difficult, but it allowed me to build enough equity to be able to purchase I'm not going to say a forever home, but a right now home. Yeah. Um, And so I don't think we're going to see the same collapse that we saw last time, but I think we're going to see some sort of stabilization um, from a lot of the reading that I've been doing. So in the meantime, I would be, depending on like your, you know, the rental situation and if this is a comfortable place to be and you can stay there for a little bit, because I know rent prices are constantly rising Mm -hmm. too. And that can be a really big stressor, but looking at where can you be setting aside money for a down payment Um, looking into down payment assistance programs, continuing to build the business because that's going to help with overall taxable income and helping you qualify. Um, and then funding retirement that, I mean, really those are kind of the big ones there. And so the way that we do it is we baby step it. So both of you can start with retirement. Um, both of you can be doing little bits of financial, I'm say financial planning. I feel like that's only used in like professional settings, but like in-house financial planning, you know, if one of you, like if, if the person that runs the business here is able to continue building that business and on track for as good of or a better year than the prior year, do you need that extra money that's come in or can that extra money that's on the top be then being funneled into retirement so that you're not missing it? Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that a lot of people feel so deprived, right? When they start saving and they start doing these big goals Again, they normally throw seven different goals all at once. So in this case, it's retirement, down payment savings, and as always, increasing income. Because um, that solves so many problems, <laughs> always and forever. But being able to focus on those gives you a good baseline. Because even if you were to you know spend the next five years putting money really heavily into retirement, let's say maxing retirement accounts would be like the pipe dream, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And doing that for the next five to 10 years. And you were like, Oh God, you know, whatever, like maybe they, you know, maybe they were moving, maybe they were looking to buy this house on the East coast. Maybe they end up settling somewhere else or having kids. It gives you a little bit more buffer because these accounts have been funded and you can kind of set them and forget them, right. As they continue to grow Um, making sure, of course, for everyone listening that your retirement and regular funds are actually invested. Um, that's something that I've mentioned once before on here. But many times actually I a client it happened to them recently. they went to get into their account. They had been contributing for four years and it was basically sitting in like a cash holding account, and nothing had been invested. Mm. It was just we we both kind of wanted to vomit. It was oh, no. it was horrible. That's it was like it was like fifty thousand dollars. like it was not like oh, yeah. a couple hundred. So making sure that it's invested. Um, I know that when like I look at my accounts, I, I always have a little bit in like the cash holding and then it gets moved over as things are purchased. Um, so make sure you that you're paying attention to that is really important. And then I think one of the biggest things once retirement feels comfortable here, once income feels like it's you know stabilized, being a business owner, once all of that is going on, um you can then be looking. Hopefully, the market will have corrected by then, right? Mm-hmm. So you can then be looking at buying a house that aligns with your financial goals because you may end up buying, you know, a $500,000 house. And some of you living in like San Francisco or something, like, pfft, child's play, not a thing. Um, but especially for the cost of living in Idaho, um, that that's a fairly expensive house yeah. for the average household. Yeah. Um, so if you do end up choosing to buy that, you at least know, you know, you have good income that you can show your debt is paid off. I wouldn't prioritize paying off the truck or paying off the small business loan in this case, those are both really low interest rates, I'm assuming. I know that the small business one is, um, which is great. Again, investing that money, just like with the mortgage that we talked about in the you know previous scenario, investing that money is most likely going to earn you significantly more than you're going to be paying in interest. So if it's something that can just kind of be set and forgotten, and it's not really a big financial burden, and it's not causing you psychological Burden because I know that like for some people, sure. and that may have been the case for that last last person we talked about. Um, having their mortgage paid off feels safe, right? Yeah. We were talking about yeah, we were talking about this with my grandparents this morning. Um, but having having that security of knowing you have a roof over your head, knowing you have it paid off, yeah, despite it not always being the best financial option, can feel secure. Yeah, which I think a lot of people look at. Um, for me personally, it's not something that I'm prioritizing. I absolutely pay what is due for my mortgage and that's it. Um, Because I'm investing. Now here's the biggest problem. And actually for the last listener too, if they don't pay extra to their mortgage and they don't put extra into investments, that's like the worst scenario in this whole thing, right? Because paying off your mortgage, I'm going to say is like the second best option investing the extra that you would have paid to your mortgage would be the best from a financial perspective. Paying off your mortgage is the second best because it'll still save you the interest. Doing nothing with that money or putting it in a savings account or spending it is the least best option that you could be doing. Right. Because you're then paying the interest on your mortgage and you're not earning the interest in your you know, retirement or investment accounts. And I see that happen sometimes where people get kind of like decision paralysis, right? You're like, oh, I don't know what to be investing in or how to do this or whatever. Start start small, broken record, start small. Uh, betterment is really great. If you have a financial advisor or fiduciary that you like working with, um, I like betterment. If you're like, Hey, I have 50 bucks a month I can put in. Cool. That's better than nothing. Like let's start there. And again, be assessing every quarter. So to kind of recap all three of these, because uh, there are some recurring themes, A, analyzing what you're spending, um, and making sure that you are, I, I don't do this all the time, right? Cause we're, we're not pro budget here. Um, but if you feel like some of your financial goals aren't easy to meet, taking the last three months and, or six months or whatever you feel is representative and going, okay, cool. Where did my money go? And you can literally pull your accounts into like a CSV total you know, or an Excel sheet, total them all up and then be like, oh, cool. I spent $1,500 on Uber Eats. Like I had no idea. <laughs> um, or Whole Foods. That's my, yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. I think at the end of the day, I would probably be appalled if I went through my, my Whole Foods uh, bills, but doing that can give you some insight because if you feel like you don't have what you should have to show for it, that's one of the easiest ways to do it. So we're looking at our expenses. We're being cognizant of what they are. We are automating whatever we can like the retirement, you know, like the small investment amounts, If you're deciding to pay extra for the mortgage, we're, we're making this easy. We're making this automatic so that you're not having to think about it because that can be exhausting and it can keep you from doing things. And then number, I don't know, what was that? Three, I think, um, we are looking at how you can be prioritizing your finances. So setting aside money in retirement, deciding if you're going to be increasing your income and deciding what debt actually needs to be paid off or what debt needs to be prioritized and only picking, I kind of count these as three increasing your income and then no more than two financial goals. Yeah. So like retirement and house down payment or used car and down payment or, you know, maxing out accounts for travel also for the middle person makes sure you have a really good travel credit card. Um, I like capital one. I have their venture card, um, they just came out with a new one. I think it's like the venture plus the venture or something. It's supposed to be better than the regular venture. I have not looked into mm-hmm. it, but everyone loves it. And then I really recommend looking at an airline card. Um, especially if you find you have an airline that you travel a lot with, like for me, I have a United card. I don't love United, but they and their partners fly almost everywhere that I want to go. Yeah. Um, South America, Europe majority of the U S. So for me, it was really nice to have that United card because, you know, we have free check bags, free upgrades, like, and only one of us needs to have it to be able to get it for everyone on our reservation. So yeah, just prioritizing what you have with what, where, what you want to have and where you want to be. And again, none of these are wrong, right? Like if you're wanting to have a child and you need to prioritize a car, cool. Let's look at how we can increase our income. You're wanting to retire in 10 years and you want the security of having your mortgage paid off. That's not wrong, but just understand that if you're doing that, there's an opportunity cost on what you could be earning an interest in investments or return on investments. Um, you know, you want to be buying two houses and being able to rent them out or rent one of them out that you're not using. Awesome. Number one, Making sure your income is where it is, making sure it's stabilized, and then making sure that you have, you know, savings and retirement handled. Because if those are handled, then you can take on a mortgage, you can prioritize what that looks like for you, and you can feel confident that you're not overspending. Because if we see home prices not drop dramatically, then we want to feel good with what we're buying. Whether that's here, whether that's on the East Coast for this individual, um, having the, you know, empowered financial decision that they're able to make is, I think, the most important aspect when it comes down to it. Because if you're going to live there for 10, 15, 20 years, I'm not going to say any house is a good investment at that point, but most houses right. become a better investment sure. at that
1: point. Yeah.
0: Oh, that was really informational, information heavy.
1: Um <laughs> but They're all so different. I know. Yeah. I know. Like similar, like trends, but yes. yeah, very unique. Yeah. yeah. No.
0: So, Again, the reminder, shameless plug, five-star review, Confident Money Podcast, wherever you listen to them. Um, supposedly, you can leave reviews on Spotify, I found out, actually. I think you can rate. I
1: don't yes, think you can Yes, you can. can. You can rate. Yeah. Okay,
0: if you end up rating it on Spotify, send us a DM on Instagram if you want to be Perfect. entered. Because um, I know not everyone can do it on Apple Podcasts because you're not Apple or iPhone users. Um and then let us know. Send us a DM on Instagram, Confident Money Podcast, and let us know if you like the style of, you know, podcast, you know, interview Q and A session instead of just hearing me, you know, babble to myself at all of you all the time. And we will see you. We have a mini season coming up next that is going to be a surprise, and we will tease it on Instagram. I'm so excited for that. I know. I know. I'm me too. Excited. Me too. Okay. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. If you loved this episode, make sure to leave a five-star review for a chance to win a free financial strategy session with yours truly, Caitlin Magnuson. We do the drawing the first week of every month and to be eligible, you'll want to leave a five-star review and include your IG handle so we can contact the winner. I'll see you next time where we'll chat real finances for real people.